0: a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in D.C. I'm joined by only one of my
1: co-hosts today. I am Anya Crittenton, a writer at Gay Star News. Willoughby is off gallivanting to historical sites with his family. I think they're in Gettysburg. Yes, Gettysburg for his dad's birthday. Yeah, yeah. He posts that really funny sign about like no like hunting for relics or something, <laughs> which is hysterical. And I'm like... Fair. Also, I, guess I like people do hunt for relics.
0: By the way, I like whenever we say one of our co-hosts is off for the week, we use the word gallivanting because I like to think <laughs> of it as like a a sly nod to the great a- ABC show Gallivant, uh, gone before its time.
1: Before its time. Also, we are the type to gallivant, are we? We're like very. <laughs> we are a gallivanting trio. Yes. Um. Well. In the absence, um, it is the end of the month, and so we are going to be doing our Millennial Monthly Movie Review, and July had a lot of good movies, but we decided to pick one that we just had a lot of fun with. And so this month, we are reviewing Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Just one like a Show again. My, my, just how much I you. So, Mamma Mia! Here We Go Again is a sequel prequel to the first Mamma Mia! movie that came out exactly ten years ago in 2008. It's wild to think it was so long ago. Wow, a decade ago. Um, right? And the first movie was based off the Jukebox musical um, on Broadway, which uses all ABBA songs, which is why... Like, half the reason it's so fun alone. Like, And so, the second movie is, like I said, a sequel prequel. The sequel part, we see um, our young heroine Sophie, played by Amanda Seyfried, getting ready to open up the Hotel Belladonna on the Greek island Kalakiri. And she's getting ready for the big opening party, and her dads are there, and her aunts, Tanya, and... Oh no, I forgot Julie Walters' character name. Uh, I know Tanya because they're always chiding her, being like, Tanya. I mean, <laughs> that's true. I mean, do, we, do their names really
0: matter? All we need to know is that this is a star studded celebrity um, movie, and I just called them Christine Baranski and Julie Walters, anyways. That's but fair. she plays.
1: That's fair. Um, Julie Walters plays Rosie. Rosie. That's her name. So. That's the sequel part of it. Um, Sophie is getting ready with her three dads and her aunts and Skye to open this hotel. And the movie is interspersed with a prequel story where we see a young Donna, Sophie's mother, played by the lovely Lily James and her discovery of this Greek island and her romances with Sophie's three dads, Bill, Harry, and Sam. So it's chock full of ABBA music. Fun performances, lots of Greek sunshine. And what did you think of it, HT? I loved it. So
0: I actually loved it much more than the original. Um, so little uh pretext before going into my little mini review of mamma mia here we go again is that i was kind of disappointed by the first mamma mia because i had just seen the stage version of mamma mia and it was just it was so fun it was so bonkers i saw the kennedy center in dc and even though it was a tour group i had the time of my life um and it was the i think the reason that it was so successful and so like Um, strong, had such a strong impact on me was because it really, it really encouraged you to just like get up and dance and sing along to all the ABBA songs that you know and love. Um, My mom is a huge ABBA fan. And when I was young, she had this greatest hits album of ABBA that she'd play in her car every day. We were – for like a good year. So like every day it was just like ABBA on repeat. And I had a great time listening to all those songs. And it was just a nice sort of flush of nostalgia seeing that on stage and seeing everyone – It's such a good it's stage such a musical. Good stage musical because it's interactive. It's like you're saying,
1: it's just so much fun. Yeah. And you just kind of like dance in your seat. The dream sequence is bonkers <laughs> in the musical. Like that's not in the movie. Right, yeah. But- yeah, there's that weird dream scene. I remember when I first saw it, and I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> it was the one where they get high, right? Yeah.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. It was like, yeah, it was wild. You can tell all the actors are just having so much fun, and I felt like that was kind of missing in the first um, *Mamma Mia!* movie, which cast this great, star-studded cast, including Meryl Streep, Colin Firth, um, Bill Skarsgård. Pierce Brosnan, Amanda Seyfried. Stellan Stel- Skarsgård. Oh, sorry. Not still, I'm thinking it right now. Stellan, the first Skarsgård. Well, and also
1: his name in, his name in the movie is yes, Bill. Yes, that's true.
0: So. Stellan Skarsgård. And um, it was uh, so, so star-studded. Uh, but it felt like it was just going through the motions of what made the first, the Mamma Mia stage musical so fun to me. And, um, I felt like it wasn't filmed quite that well. It just kind of felt like point-and-shoot and everything. But I felt like the Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again improved on all of those problems. And you could just tell that everyone in this cast was having fun. The people who couldn't sing weren't singing as much as they were before. <laughs> and-
1: <laughs> we're just going
0: to put yep, it out yep. there. Pierce Brosnan. Colin Firth, too, he didn't sing that much.
1: <laughs> all right. But, like, Colin Firth is adorable, he's adorable. when he yes, sings. He's so cute. There's... Like, Colin Firth is, like, just this little, like, puppy in a sweater all the time. I just, we'll talk about him when we get to later things in the episode, but, like, Colin Firth,
0: what a gem. Yes, and you could tell that everyone was just having a great time and just happy to be, like, in this beautiful island where they're filming this movie about having fun and um, dancing and the – I think the choreography was much more improved than the last time. The cinematography as well, it felt much more cinematic in a way, uh, instead of just like the point and shoot that we had before. So I enjoyed it so much. And I will say one more thing. I think this movie is the Godfather 2 of musicals because it contains the exact same plot as Godfather 2. And I'll go into that later in our spoiler review. Oh my
1: God. It does. It does. <laughs> Oh Anya my is God. just like
0: in shock right now. But we won't go into the details of that for later. But Anya, tell me, what did you think of Mamma Mia? Here we go again.
1: Um, I also loved it. I mostly agree with your assessment of it compared to the first one. I think I think definitely the second one is just a better made movie. It feels grander, better filmmaking, better production quality. Um, I do agree that the first movie kind of feels like it's going through the motions in terms of its like like literal production as a movie. Um, I will say I think the first one's a lot of fun. I like the second one better. But I do love the first one in that it feels like the whole cast is just enjoying themselves. And it was so nice to see a movie with older actors, like, just getting to strut their stuff and, like, have the time of their life. Like, I, you know, this is a, com- a common discussion in Hollywood about, like, ageism and ideas like that. But I love the idea of having these older actors, like, just totally jam out. And the idea of a character like Donna and, like, an older woman... You know, who has, like, sexual agency and, like, she's never shamed for the fact that, like, three men could be, you know, her daughter's father. And so I really loved it for that sense. But, like, as a movie, it felt very kind of amateur, you know. And this one just improves on all those qualities. And, again, I think you're still having a lot of fun performances, From the cast as well. Um, Sans Meryl Streep. Except for in one final scene. Which is very touching. But um, yeah. So I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I need to hear this godfather. Alright. So we're going to jump into our plot. Characters. Themes. All the spoilers. So you've been warned. Um, And HT. Talk to me about this plot. Alright. So. Godfather Two theory.
0: <laughs> so I'm so ready. In Godfather Two, we see the uh, sort of parallel um, story arcs between uh, young Don Corleone and oh, was that Appalachino's character's name again? Michael. Michael. Mm-hmm. Michael. And mm-hmm. Michael. Uh, Michael as he try- as he's trying to build the empire of his father before him, and uh, he settles into this, his role as the new Don. And then in the flashback uh storyline we have a young uh, don corleone as he's moving from italy to america and ma- striking out and making his mark as a young uh, mafia mobster essentially and we have that exact same plot in mamma mia too, without you know the violence and mafia lily james yes.
1: becoming a mafia <laughs> yeah. mobster on the greek island so
0: man seafried's character uh sophie is uh Trying to settle into her, the, her the legacy that her mother left, uh, creating building her empire that her mother left behind the hotel, and um, doing it in service to and in, in honor of her mother, as well as having a few. Um, uh, marital problems with Sky as well, which we have in the original Godfather 2, as well too, in uh, which <laughs> Diane Keaton is trying to leave him because you know he's a horrible man. But in this case, there's just mar- marital problems because Sky is offered a new job. So we have that sort of tension as well. And then in the other storyline, the flashback one, we have you know a young a young Donna striking out on her own and finding herself and finding her empire,
1: as it were. That it's amazing <laughs> that's incredible yep yep and now you can definitively
0: infinitiv- infinitiv- say "Mamma mia here we go again is the godfather 2 of musicals
1: i'm i'm amazed but now i'm hoping we don't get a mama mia 3 because we all know how godfather 3 turned well, out we already
0: have andy garcia in Mamma mia here we go again so we don't need to
1: have a mama mia 3 <laughs> right yeah okay okay good um that's amazing. I love that. I love those similar themes. Um, you know, I've read in some reviews and listened to some podcasts that people like didn't really like the plot of *Mamma Mia*, *Here We Go Again*. Um, they thought it was kind of bland or not really there. And I've heard people talk about plot holes, well, which there, there are. are plot holes. But like, who cares? Like, my, I just like who goes to see. An ABBA jukebox musical movie with, like, Pierce Brosnan and Colin Firth and Amanda Seyfried and Christine Bransky on this sunny Greek island and goes, Man, this plot hole is really bugging me. <laughs> Just, who who cares? Who? I think the plot holes
0: honestly make it better because it feels like this movie has ascended beyond needing right? a coherent plot. A logical yeah. plot. Yeah. And, like... People who are criticizing its plot as being boring, well, look, it has the Godfather 2's plot, so now you're criticizing Godfather 2. How
1: boring How boring can exactly. it be? Exactly.
0: Really. So and, structurally, and then, it works fine.
1: Can- canonically, yeah. it's a whole mess, but who cares? Who cares? And it's like, you know, people often use the whole excuse of like, it's a musical, its plot doesn't need to make sense. And like, I agree and don't, don't agree, I think like, we shouldn't give musical the pass for, like, bad storytelling just because they're musicals. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this movie is about – I don't think it's bad storytelling. I think, like you're just saying, it's it's just ascending <laughs> 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 what coherency should be. And it's just a fun summer romp. And
0: I think the thing about Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again is that it's not even about the plot. And it's not even about the characters. But it's about the star power of these actors. I feel like that mm-hmm. is what makes this movie so great, is that it's uh, Meryl, it's, well, not Meryl Streep anymore, it's uh, Cher coming in and basically <laughs> using this as an excuse to be like, hey, I also released a whole co- album of ABBA covers. Amazing. <laughs> but I think it's, uh, you know, Colin Firth dancing, it's Pierce Brosnan moping away and having a shirt slightly undone. <laughs> it's about Amanda Seyfried looking gorgeous. It's about Lily James being luminous. And I think that's why this movie succeeds so well is that it's just like it's kind of like the Ocean series in that it makes really good use of the, the images of these celebrities, of the images of these stars and their just like personas and puts them onto a Greek island
1: and says, "Have at it." Exactly. Exactly. And I think if you are wanting more from this, you, you've come to the wrong place. You're the wrong audience. Like, I'm sorry, this is no place for cynicism or logic to the 10th degree. No one's here yeah. for that. We just want to enjoy our One ABBA. fun little like,
0: plot hole, I guess you would say, that I really like is that um, in the original Mamma Mia, they basically explicitly say that uh, Sophie's mom is dead. Uh, not Sophie, Donna's mom is dead. So she's like, there's a scene where she's like, oh, someone out there has it, has it out for me. And she's like, it must be my mother. <laughs> and she looks, and she points up. And so you're like, okay, well, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Just basically brought Cher back from the dead and that's totally okay. I mean, like,
1: oh, Cher is always welcome to come back from mm-hmm. the dead. We always welcome you, Cher. Yes. And she was great. I, lo- I
0: loved for- her Fernando uh, performance. That was one of my favorite so wonderful.
1: I love that they literally had the Andy Garcia character literally just so she could sing that song. <laughs> to him. And he was named Fernando just for that song. Like, how brilliant is it to be like, we're going to have Sharon in this movie, she's going to sing this song. Alright, just put in Andy Garcia so we can have it make somewhat sense. Moonlight reunion. Like, <laughs> yep.
0: True. And also, like, their little sort of non-tango dance that was my favorite part i don't oh know why god. i was just like screaming during that part i was like
1: andy garcia and share dancing and they're doing this cute little well, also like-, like andy garcia oh, god
0: he looks so good he looks so good mm-hmm. um so <laughs> our our talk about plot is kind of all over the place but that's what mama mia here we go again is
1: yeah exactly um um i think we should get into the characters because like you were saying like star power is what this movie really is all Mm -hmm. about um so why don't we like for our own sanity let's break it up into the prequel and sequel Mm -hmm. bit so let's talk about the sequel we've talked about that with Cher and Amanda Seyfried and the three dads so what do you think about these characters in the sequel setting I think it makes sense to sort of bring them to this place where they're
0: at now in uh mama mia 2 uh so like sophie is struggling and she's looking for her family to fall back on but they're not able to be there just because of prior engagements and uh for, for example bill and harry are both away and like have aren't unable to make it to the opening ceremony that's the driving conflict of uh the sequel part essentially
1: and sky, and being, sky away, being away too for a prior mm-hmm. engagement, and-, and
0: I think it makes a lot of sense in sort of like the parallels between her and her mother's story is that she's she's so used to having to being raised by a village essentially and be having so much support around her that now she's finally having having to strike out on her own and become a woman like an independent woman, but even so, at the end she comes to realize that as she can handle it on her own, but she also um, needs her family with her, so it's like. It's yeah. a nice little coming uh, into herself plot line that I think she has, and I like it a lot. I think her plot is probably like the underrated part of this movie, and probably a little the most subtle. But um, I yeah. like it, especially when she like you know comes to realize that she's pregnant, and the way that they intercut between her and uh, young Donna's oh, yes yeah, storyline so is so good. Like the especially when they have like for example uh, Lily James entering into one scene uh, or exiting one scene, and then. Uh, Sophie, yeah, to 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 entering another and it's done so seamlessly and it works so really good, well yeah. like, thematically and just like uh, cinematically, too. I like I like when movies do that. I think it's a really smart way to visually um, show, depict, depict this kind of inner struggle, this internality between these two characters.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think it's, it makes sense. I like that they're having this struggle. I like that. I mean, one of the things I love about this movie is that, like, there's always been this through line of, like, women supporting women, which I love that the fact that, like, Tanya and Rosie are there for Sophie, like, they definitely come to the party and they're immediately there to, like, see Sophie through whatever she needs. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, it's not, like, a slight against Harry and Bill because they eventually realize that they need to be somewhere mm-hmm. um, to be with Sophie. But I just love this idea that it's always been kind of a women, supporting women sort of story, and that the male characters are really just kind of there as... Eye candy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. More or less, yes, exactly. Um, And I just, I've always really loved that um, about this movie, and that it's positivity- um, depiction of this, these kind of relationships and the fact that like Tanya and Rosie are like they're her aunts because they were her mother's they're her mother's best mm-hmm. friends, um, but they look after Sophie like you know they're like blood relatives. It's that idea of like your family is who you make mm-hmm. it. And I we showed one of our roommates the first Mamma Mia for the first time before the sequel, and he was kind of annoyed that we didn't find out who the father was. <laughs> And for me, I've always loved that, because, like, that's not the point. Yeah, they're, like, they're all her fathers. It's kind of like how she was always raised.
0: Everyone is her family.
1: Exactly. And I love that idea that, that, like, your family is what you make it, and that, like, Harry, Bill, and Sam love each other, and they love Sophie, and they're just, like, one big happy family. And, you know, it's that idea of, you know, that blood isn't necessarily always thicker than water, and that you know, having the support system and being there for each other is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I have to say, all right, where do you fall on the dad? Who's your favorite dad? I mean, I'm a little biased, but it's it's Colin Firth. It's Harry.
0: I mean, it has to be, right? It's just, I mean, it's very heavily influenced by Colin Firth as a person and a persona. Same. Yeah. And I think that the second movie actually utilizes that a lot more rather than um, going with what the show had canonically uh, or like the original play and the original movie. So I think in the original, the first movie at least, or the play at least, uh, wasn't Harry gay? Like he's revealed to be gay at the end.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's in the movie too. Yeah, yeah, it's in the mm-hmm.
0: movie. But I feel like they kind of just drop that and here we go again. And it's just Colin Firth being a fuddy duddy
1: and it's yeah. just, it... you never really I mean, I, I'm going to presume that he's that he's yeah. gay because they revealed him to be gay at the end of the first movie, but like it's not important to see yeah. him with other men. Like that's not the role he's Yeah fulfilling here. Um yeah, but I think that definitely but I, I... Yeah, he...
0: Colin Firth kind of overwhelms the character in a sense. He's just Colin Firth.
1: You can't not love him. Right. And he's always been my favorite, too, for that reason, that he's Colin Firth. And he's like the funny to the English man who's like not spontaneous. He's so... and He's always talking about being spontaneous. And he's so and... cute.
0: Like he has so many good moments in this movie where he's like, I told many, many people. And then his little dance at the <laughs> end when he's oh, just I, I can't get over it. I love it so much. I, Colin
1: Firth is a gem. We are so lucky to We're have lucky him. lucky to have Colin um, Firth as a,
0: as a man and as just like an idea.
1: <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Um, so I totally agree. I also really love Bill. I think Stellan Skarsgård has a lot of fun. I think Sam is just the most boring. Yep. <laughs> Both in the in the flashbacks and, like, Pierce Brosnan. Nothing against you, Pierce Brosnan. You're lovely. But Sam, as, like, the sort of straight man of the three yep. dads, is just... He's always been, like, the most boring to me. I was, like, watching the movie, I was like, Donna, like, why... Why Sam? He has long hair and a motorcycle, I guess. Okay, but like Bill has long
0: hair and a boat. <laughs> and he's also not engaged. Yep. And he's much nicer to her
1: in general. Agreed. Like, I'll take you fishing. I just I never get the appeal of Sam. Um but Harry. Harry Bright, Colin Firth, he's always number so,
0: one. Um if we want to move into the prequel, I want to say that. My one problem with the movie is actually Young Harry.
1: Yeah, I...
0: Uh, Well, it's like the most dramatic uh, like change from the like canon of the show if we're going to call it that if like there is a canon in that um in the original (laughs) like sort of flashbacks we have or like the sort of reference we have to his her past with harry is that they met at a music festival and they got high together and like that's what their sort of whirlwind romance was but here they try to base it very heavily on like the fuddy-duddy Colin Firth character and his persona. Yeah. And it just, it doesn't work and it's, like, the least interesting um, sub, like, sort of subplot that we have in the flashbacks. Even though I love the Waterloo
1: sequence because it makes no sense and it's just great. <laughs> the Waterloo, is, the Waterloo is probably one of my favorite mm. numbers in this movie just because it's so fun and it makes no sense and I also love that song. It's so good. And it's, it's so fun to watch. Like, I don't care if it doesn't make sense because it's so fun mm. to watch. But I, I agree, it was weird the whole him like propositioning her yeah. and then following her and then you never see and then him he's again. Like, oh, I guess that's it. And it was like she
0: obviously has more of a connection to him when she meets him in Mamma Mia, but here in this case, like they had one day together and she didn't even like him.
1: Yeah. I I will say for his credit, the actor who plays young Harry is really good. I like him a lot. He does a good job imitating Colin Firth. (laughs) I think he's cute and the fuddy-duddy English boy, and that is always my type. So, like, I'm biased. It's
0: just just so sad because, you know, we see him as the fuddy-duddy, and then at the end when he's about to chase her, he has his leather jacket and his guitar on, and I was like, why didn't we see more of that? Like, that seems like something that was cut from the original script. Like, they're like, oh, we're gonna go more in line with what we had originally, it's like he was a musician yeah. and stuff like that. We we see none of that in um
1: It is the seasons. bit that makes like the least yeah. sense. I don't know. I'm just yeah, like I agree. I have, a
0: lot of, I have a lot of um I'm very protective of Colin Firth, and I think they did him an, an injustice
1: sure. with young Colin Firth. I I completely agree. I think young Bill is easily oh, the best. Okay. Cuz again, Sam is boring and he's also a jerk. Ugh. Yeah. Young Sam. Bill is very charming. He's very charismatic. He's... He's very charming. He's very charismatic. And as much as he's, like, putting the moves on mm-hmm. Donna, like, he never crosses into a territory of, like, being, like, a creep yeah. or, like, pressuring her in any mm-hmm. way, um, which I appreciate. And he's cute, and they have the boat together, and they get that one couple yeah. back yeah, together. That's, like, that was the most interesting, like, subplot for me. I was like, this is fun.
0: Like, I feel like she has, like, they, they have a really good adventure together. And if I were, like, me, I'd be like, I remember him the most fondly, because he also came in when she was like at her her lowest moment too. So it's like perfect. Right?
1: I like I I yeah. It, it's funny because I just I, I when I watched it, I was like, why does she end up with Sam? Like it makes no sense to me. I don't. And and they're supposed to have like an immediate connection. Like you're supposed to because like, you know, she didn't really like Harry, and she was like kind of rebuffing Bill's advances mm-hmm. until Sam breaks her mm-hmm. heart. And they're they're trying to set up this idea that her and Sam have this immediate connection, and she's like falling for him, and she has like the song about mm-hmm. him, and she's like very, and it just didn't work for me because I was like, "Girl, yeah, it makes no sense." Um, I will. He is the cutest, like
0: objectively, the young Sam is the cutest of we all. Disagree. I, I think so. I mean, just like tr- con- most conventionally attractive. I think they all.
1: Oh, see, I think he's. I think he's the least really? attractive. of Really, that's three. interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, for me, like they, they are all like. I think they were the weakest casting of all of them, because just like they all look like they were cloned in a factory together, and one of them was dyed blonde. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I will say yes. I, I do like young Bill. He was the one that stood out for me the most, oh and great. um really agreed. Ah. in terms of like uh young Donna falling for sam i I really liked Andante and Dante, like that song sequence
1: was good, yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So does anyone else? Agreed. Um, Yeah, and The Name of the Game is one of my favorite ABBA songs, and so I liked her singing it in that, like, moment. Um, Yeah, so, you know, the three young guys are, they're good. Um, You should have picked Bill. Yep. It was the obvious choice. Come on, they had the best scenes together. They
0: should cast someone who looked more like young Colin Firth instead of just, like, this. That, too generic British dude. I don't know. I was just like I'm just really upset.
1: She <laughs> has a lot of feelings about how you portray Paul. I'm really firth upset. He was so
0: beautiful when he was young. They couldn't find someone at least like similar looking. Like, you know, across the universe they went uh, they went for that huge cast and call to find someone who looked just like a young Paul McCartney. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, he actually did pretty well in that role. They could have done something like this for Colin firth He deserves that much.
1: You need a young soft boy because mm-hmm. Colin Firth is very the soft. first soft boy. So soft, <laughs> um, Tanya and Rosie, like young Tanya and Rosie, were perfect. Didn't really, they were, per- they didn't do much for me character-wise, mm-hmm. but the casting <laughs> was like scary. Was, like when, especially for yeah, Tanya,
0: I was like, did they? clone like Christine Baranski Ber- and just she had all her ticks down like her her walk, her gait, just the way that she acted her gestures. I was like, "Dang, this girl like studied Christine Baranski." And and the one thing that was really funny to me is like no way that these women would all keep their same haircut for like 40 years. I know. <laughs> but it really worked um in terms of just like the style of the 70s, but I also like that it kept the continuity yeah. and just like Made me, like, do a double-take every time young, um... Same. I'm just gonna call her young Christine Baranski came on screen. She was so good.
1: Her little wink. No, I I agree. It's... it's, She is really good. She was the best, like... Between uh, Rosie Mm -hmm. and Tanya, like, she was definitely the best. I will say the whole, like, the plot bit of, like, Rosie having the immediate crush on Bill because they have the thing in the Mm -hmm. present... Was kind of I didn't think they needed that necessarily. I, I kind of like that. Um, I think like it gave her
0: a little bit more of a character rather than just being like the Greek chorus
1: for Donna. There already is a literal Greek chorus. <laughs> I love that about this movie. That there is a literal yeah, Greek there is chorus. Great. Um, I think for me, it just kind of like I was kind of like eh because it just made her seem like this like. Uh, like, sort of desperate for a guy, and she can't get uh, one because she's not as pretty as yeah. Anna, and then she just eats all the cake. And it just seemed to be this kind of caricature of, like, a woman pining after a man, and then I'm going to go eat, eat a lot of cake because I'm yeah. sad. And I
0: don't know. I mean, I actually that thought I it didn't... was, like, a fun bit sort of thing like fun little yeah. like recurring joke that they have across timelines because then they have Julie Walters eating all the cake later and has like it's some fun moments I didn't think it was quite it harmful I, mean, I, I thought it was like a fun bit of character building for, her, for uh, Rosie <laughs> for Rosie and um, although it does like make it kind of weird that it means she was pining for this guy for 40 years or maybe it makes it more romantic I don't
1: know I think it makes oh, it yeah. <laughs> um but I mean I, I will like for me like it wasn't really necessary, but I will say the actors definitely mm-hmm. sold it and like they made me laugh. Like they sold the bit even so even when it wasn't my favorite, I was still like enjoying it because they were clearly like giving it a hundred and ten percent. Then
0: that's um, what I liked about this movie. They're all just like giving it their all, even though it was an excuse to party, they never half assed it.
1: Mm-hmm. Never, never. And that brings me to all right. It is time. I need to wax poetic about Lily James. So I've loved her since Downton Abbey when she first like burst onto the scene. And then she landed the role of Cinderella. And if I thought I was in love with her before, when I saw her in Cinderella, oh my God, it was like a game changer. She is just one of the most luminous, magnetic effervescent beautiful actors we have right now she is such a joy to watch on the screen in everything she does everything even when she's underutilized in Baby Driver you're still like look at you like you like burst with joy and charisma and light she's also severely
0: underused in Darkest Hour but like everyone was compared to Gary Oldman so Gary
1: Oldman yelling in a fat suit Um, and gosh, like, seeing her, she just, like, had the time of her life with this film, and, like, the the character she gave Donna, and, like, the life she infused in her was, it was so much fun Mm -hmm. to watch. Like, I could watch The Escapades of Donna forever. Yes. She
0: was definitely the best part of this movie, and what made it so successful. Uh, and it's interesting because she's the one part of it that I was talking earlier about how this was about star power and everything. She's the one part that wasn't really the star power, because, like, let me explain. She doesn't have quite the brand and, like, the, the reach that all the other, like, older actors do. And it's, yeah. so, it's solely on the power of her performance. And she nails it. And what I love about it is that it's not an imitation of Meryl Streep in any sense. She creates a whole new character. And yet it still feels very much in the spirit of what Meryl Streep first originated in Mamma Mia. And she is just, yeah, like, all the adjectives that... that um. Anya said, "They all apply, yes. right?
1: Like, oh,
0: I'm gonna add one more in: effulgent.
1: <laughs>
0: Ooh, that's a good it's a, one. It's one that like- I definitely drew from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yes, and I think that she is that she is that character. She is that performer. And um, yeah, and I loved her in this. I actually was not quite as enamored with her as I as you were up until now." But now, after watching mm-hmm. Mamma Mia, I was like, I understand.
1: She is just so good in this. You get it, yep. right? And, like, and that talk about, like, star power and how, like, she doesn't quite have that brand yet. And it's true because she's still kind of, like, you know, she, she has a place in Hollywood now. But, like, I think this you can see now, like, the star power she's going to have. Like, this girl is going to be something, like, very special. In Hollywood, I think. To,
0: to uh, borrow a an example from a previous sort of thing I mentioned, she is De Niro <laughs> in The Godfather 2,
1: <laughs> which was also his yes. um, his breakout role. Oh, my God. Hey, I, yeah, I would argue that Cinderella was probably, well, I guess not Naby in Cinderella, but, like, I think this is putting her on more, even more maps, mm-hmm. like, outside of, like, the princess. Like, you can now see yeah. her, like, doing all sorts of things. Yeah, people definitely um, also, mis-
0: underestimated Cinderella because, you know, it's a Disney princess movie and it was a live-action adaptation in the trend of all the Disney live-action adaptations, so people just kind of write it off or don't even see it at all. Even though it's phenomenal. And it's definitely a more interesting take on the adaptation than, like, say Beauty and the Beast, which had a really wooden yeah. Emma Watson and was basically shot for shot from Beauty and the
1: Beast. Yeah. Like, Kenneth Branagh actually, like, really tells the story in like a new layered mm-hmm. way in cinderella liked, yeah um, it
0: definitely delivered that sort of um story of domestic abuse that i think mm-hmm. was not quite as clear in the original animated movie and made yeah. it much more like brought into that modern context in for cinderella and the live action cinderella yeah
1: agreed um and i just also to show that like lily james uh, you know for me it's definitely she's definitely popped since the beginning and gonna be sound shallow but like also she's just Beautiful. beautiful woman like inside and out like she just really shines as a star um i, I i'm like gushing i cannot stop gushing about her she's just so wonderful <laughs> um, but yeah no i agree she's the best part of the sequel by yep. far
0: her and all her outfits i just like i could watch her parade in like 70s outfits for two hours which you know i could totally do that of which she just looks so mm-hmm. good. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. She pulls off everything because she is a beautiful woman. And yeah. uh, honestly, like a lot of her, her storyline is uh, she gets away with a lot of things because she's a beautiful white woman. Fair. But it's okay because it's Lily James and she pulls it off.
1: Speaking of her looks, I just, so the guy at the boat who always comments on people's like light, driver's license yes. pictures or ID photos and like how they used to look better and stuff. I appreciate you, sir, for noticing how Colin Firth is aging like fine wine. I appreciate I, but that. I do
0: feel bad for Bill Scars, oh, No, shit. Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård. Because, you know, he's not that badly aged.
1: Maybe not no, as, I don't not think as so.
0: well as Colin Firth.
1: But, you know. No, I don't think so. I think it, it it's less about, like putting the other people down for how they're aging and more just, like, noticing that Colin Firth is just, like, this angel. He's he's a beautiful man. Gracing us. Um, Also, I, like, that bit where Bill Realizes he has to go to the Greek island, and we're seeing his twin brother at the like award thing. And I didn't realize; I had no idea he had a twin brother. I was like screaming at first. And I was like, "What is I happening?" I, I was so confused. Like me, I saw it with my cousins. We were all just like, "What's happening? Did did Selin
0: gain that much weight? What's going on?" And it turned out it was. I think it was Dylan in like a fat suit doing that. It was him yeah, in a fat but suit, but still, yeah. it was just like that was a big twist that I didn't
1: expect. Yes, I was like, "What?" <laughs> Mamma Mia, throwing those plot twists exactly. But yeah, um, but yeah, so all fun characters. Lily James shines mm-hmm. bright. Um, let's move on to talking about the themes of this movie, which we have touched on a little bit. Um, and I think the biggest one probably is motherhood. Yes. Um, do you have any thoughts on how they explored motherhood in this film? Um... I like that they bring Cher in
0: to to, and it's like kind of about all these women who are not quite ready to be mothers in a sense, but accepting that finally after many trials and tribulations, and but in the same in the same sense, Cher is the last one to really accept it. Uh, Donna and Sophie are come to accept that and come to like embrace it in a sense, um, in a much like a more organic way than shares just kind of drops in. She's like, okay, I guess I'm a great grandma now. Uh, which is like, which is fine. Cause it's like just the whole movie really is just a lead up to a Cher concert in, in any ways. But um, yeah, it's, I like that theme of motherhood and also the theme of just like, it takes a village to raise a child and uh, yes. how that family is everyone who, you know, you grew up with or you, who love you. And that's, that's the, the real the real message I think of this movie, which I love.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think some of the most powerful scenes in the movie for me too, specifically was the scene where Donna is giving birth to Sophie. Mm -hmm. um, And Lily James is just, she gives a great performance. And with like um, the older Greek woman who supports her and, you know, gives her the place to stay and helps her deliver Sophie. And that scene kind of intercut, with Sophie and what's happening in the present Mm day. And then Meryl Streep's one moment in this film is she gets a solo singing a song when Sophie is baptizing her and Skye's baby. And, you know, she kind of appears and she's like looking down on Sophie as it were. And I don't know. I just thought those moments, those two moments in particular were just very touching Mm and, and, very poignant. Yeah.
0: I think that motherhood, and, yeah, provides the emotional core for this movie, mm-hmm. and does it so well without making it seem like it's shoehorned in, and not just like, oh, it's it's a I have a musical, but also it's about motherhood. It it really works in the whole sense of it.
1: Yeah, and I think it helps that like the the first movie also definitely laid that foundation because even though like it's about Sophie meeting her dad and stuff, like the core emotional relationship is Sophie and Donna. Mm-hmm. And it always is and always has been. And even in the sequel when Donna has passed away, like the connection between Sophie and her mother is still very mm-hmm. present. And you know, I think that thread um is really good. And even with young Donna, you know, like Sophie's like not even an idea for her yet until the very end of the film but like once she does become pregnant like i don't know you can immediately get that emotional kind of foundation mm-hmm. with her performance and the and, way that she carries herself and the future she envisions for herself and her child yeah, and it's
0: all wordless too which is another um yes like, great performance by lily james it's yeah it's wonderful mm-hmm. and i do like um, that they they kind of um sort of plant some seeds about her ideas of motherhood with her strained relationship with her mother who we never see until the end, but it, it casts a large shadow. And I think it's interesting that it's, it's sort of suggested at the beginning that she never had a great relationship with her mother. She doesn't really want to be a mother at that time, but, and yet she is ready and willing to like embrace that motherhood immediately.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, another theme that really struck out to me um, is the idea of, for those that you love and care for, like, one of the biggest things is just to show up. It's that thing you hear all the time about, like, just showing up for people is, like, a huge Mm, step. mm -hmm. And when we first meet Donna, she's graduating from college, and her mother didn't Mm -hmm. come. Her mother didn't come to see her graduate, to see her kind of you know, make this big accomplishment. And throughout the movie, throughout the flashbacks, we get the idea of that, like, Donna's mother, like, isn't, you know, present in her life and isn't kind of supporting her, like, taking an interest or showing up. And that's kind of the whole thing is Donna is, like, she she will always be there for her Mm -hmm. daughter, will always be there for Sophie. And we see that in the first movie. And then in the present scenes, we see it with Harry and Bill deciding that, like, even if they have prior engagement, like, they don't matter as much as showing up for Sophie. Yeah, that's the whole
0: climax of the movie. It's like... And Sky, too. The climax of the movie, like, they they show up as long as, like, half of the village of, like, integration village, and it's it's so... It's so fun in terms of just, like, pure entertainment, but it also works thematically so well.
1: It Mm -hmm. does. Yeah. And that moment when Sophie sees Sky is adorable. Yes! It's so cute. And also, like, props to Amanda Seyfried and Dominic Cooper for being, like, exes and still oh are
0: they what i didn't know that yeah
1: they they um they started dating with the first film and they dated like on and off for like two or three mm-hmm. years yeah oh wow. i didn't know that so like props to them for still like being professionals and yeah so good for them so, yeah. So, I think, you know, people can say what they want about this movie and plot holes and it's just a fun ABBA musical and it is. But I think I think there are some strong character and thematic moments, mm-hmm. too. But in the end, sometimes you just want to
0: sing and dance to ABBA. And it's a great time yes. in the theater. Even though my it audience is. was weirdly quiet but it's okay me and my cousins like made up for it by just screaming the entire time (laughs) and singing along to every song
1: good i'm very sad my audience was very lively and like i especially loved like i love seeing movies like this like because it's like a primarily female Mm -hmm. audience and like you can just hear at least for my audience like how much like the women were enjoying themselves and i was like yes like this is what we deserve
0: so i had a i I talked to someone who went uh, to Mamma Mia like the opening night and apparently there are people who dressed up and it was all these like middle-aged ladies who were dressed in bell bottoms and jumpsuits and like sequins going to see Mamma Mia and that's just like the kind of self-care and self-love that I encourage and that I promote. I love that. That's what Mamma Mia is about.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Done and (laughs) done. Done and
0: done. All right. I think that's a good way to wrap up our review of "Mamma Mia." Here we go again. Why don't you we give it a rating out of five stars, Anya? How many? St- what are you? Oh, um. how many stars?
1: I'm gonna give it to you first. Okay, um, Lily James gets a million stars. First, "Mamma Mia." Here we go again. I am going to give four out of five stars. All right, I'm gonna give it. I'm torn.
0: Actually, you know what? I'm going to give it four stars because I enjoyed it that much. So, right. Millennial Falcon gives Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, four out of five stars. You know, we rated this better than, um, I don't even know. We rated this better than money in movies. <laughs> you
1: know what? Sometimes, like with Paddington 2... If I get self-care and joy, that goes a long way for me right now. It really does. So you know what? Yes. It deserves it. And with
0: that, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really Really like you. But I need to tell you something.
1: Anya, why don't you start us off? What's your really like this week? So, yesterday, I saw one of my very favorite musicals on stage for the upteenth time. Many times. Probably too many to count. I see it on Broadway, and I see it every time it tours. It's just one of my favorites. Um, I have it, like, memorized word for word. It's so magical. But what made yesterday's performance so special is that in the lead role of Belle was Susan Egan. Oh Tom wait! Is she the original in Beauty Spear- and the Beast from Broadway, oh. and the voice of Meg in Hercules? Oh right! I love her. And uh, uh, I forget her character's name in Um, Spirited Away. Right. She was also she was like the the main the friend. Bend. Yeah, in Spirited yeah. Away. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also in Steven Universe. She's just she's great all around. Um, but yeah, so she reprised her role you know, more than two decades later in the role of Belle and she was flawless. She was so good. girl still got it. It's a, she was amazing. Um, And it was great because, you know, I grew up listening to the beat and the beast Broadway soundtrack and listening to her as Belle. So she's always kind of been my Belle and seeing her and hearing her it was just so wonderful because I was like this is this is the bell that I grew up with like this is my bell and here she is and she was so wonderful and magical and beautiful um we met her after the show and she's lovely of course we took a group photo with her and my dad managed to cut me out of the photo no it was hilarious It's so funny. It's okay, because I'm actually seeing Susan Egan in a couple weeks when I see this Broadway Princess Cabaret show that she's part of with other Broadway actresses like Laura Osnes. Um, So it's fine. I'm going to see her again. (laughs) But it was just such a great experience. It's one of my favorite shows. I'm always happy to see it. And this was just extra special. So that's what I'm really liking. Awesome.
0: Okay. I'm torn between my really likes this week. Willoughby's not here. Yeah, no, I'm the one. I have to be strict on myself. <laughs> but
1: what is he just like? Be the rebel for a week. Uh... <laughs> so funny. Well, all right.
0: So I am going to say that. Oh, You know what? I'm just going to go with one today okay. and mention the other one. Uh, I went to a Kesha concert yesterday. And it was the time of my life. I had so much fun. She's a great performer. Malcolm Moore was a surprisingly good hype man. And my really, my real, really like this week is Mission Impossible Fallout. Yes. Ooh, it is good, guys. I'm trying. I'm not gonna go into spoilers because Anya hasn't seen it yet. But it is a fantastic action movie with just like spectacle loaded on to, on top of spectacle. Everyone just giving it their all. Christopher McQuarrie brings it again in terms of like how cinematic and great this film looks and just like the suspense is like so taut and so well um constructed. Oh, the action sequences are great. The plot is actually surprisingly coherent and great too for a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> Amazing. That's yeah. shocking. And uh Tom Cruise is just an excellent action star and kind of the it's really great that he's found a franchise that is the embodiment of who he is as a person, which is just, like, buck wild insane. <laughs> and I like that Mission Impossible Fallout just really goes for that. And it kind of also, it um, d- it deepens our understanding of Ethan Hunt as a character, too, in that, Ooh. you know, Rogue Nation kind of presents him as this godly figure, but here it's him trying to wrestle with his humanity, and I thought that was a really interesting theme that we have in a Mission Impossible movie. And it's just so good. It has so many callbacks to the original, all the other Mission Impossible films. Um, Rebecca Ferguson is great as always, though not quite as featured as she was in fo- in uh, Rogue Nation. But it was it was a good time. Uh, I I, I want to talk about more, but I won't, I won't go into spoilers for Anya. It's a great <laughs> film. I highly recommend it. Um, definitely one of the best action Films that we'll see recently and um, one of the,
1: I think, the best blockbuster I've seen this year. Do you agree with the assessment that oh. it's one of the best since Mad Max Fury Road? Actually, wouldn't say it's quite on the level of Mad Max Fury Road. So I'm going to be a,
0: a dissenter there. I think it's a good film, though. Okay. But not on the level of, like, one of the best action films of this decade. But it's still yeah.
1: good. Still good. Alright. I'm so pumped to see it. I'm seeing it tonight, so I am I'm ready. Yes. Alright, well that is our episode. If you guys have any thoughts on Mamma Mia, here we go again, Mission Impossible Fallout, or Beauty and the Beast, definitely come chat with us. And H T, do you know where they can come chat with us? It's our normal Willoughby <laughs> pal isn't
0: here. <laughs> So, we're on Twitter, at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com, and we are on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, and Google Play, where you can find us, and rate,
1: review, and subscribe to us there. Nice. Nailed it. Uh, and where can they find you? You can find me, at Anya Crittenton, on Twitter.
0: You can find me, at HTranBui, on Twitter, and... You can also find Willoughby at
1: Willoughby Doves on Twitter. All right, that is our episode. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye), Bye.